Vishnupad Paramhamsa Parivraja Kacharja Ashtosh Sadashri Srimad A.C. Bhaktivaranta Swami Srila Prabhupada Ki Jai Anantakota Vaishnavrinda Ki All glories to the assembled devotees Hare Krishna All glories to the assembled devotees Hare Krishna All glories to the assembled devotees All glories, all glories to Shishi Guru and Gauranga All glories to Srila Prabhupada Nama Om Vishnupadai Krishna Vashmati Tamakrishna Swami Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Om Ajnana Timirandasya Janajana Shalakaya Chakshurulumitam Jena Tasmai Shri Guruvei Namaha I was born in the darkest ignorance and my spiritual master opened my eyes with the torch of knowledge. I offer my respectful obeisances unto him. Shri Chaitanya Manovistam Stapitam Jena Bhutale Swayam Rupapkidamayam Tadatit Swapadantikam when will Srila Rupa Swami Prabhupada, who has established within this material world the mission to fulfill the desire of Lord Chaitanya, give me shelter under his lotus feet. 
Vancha kalpa tarubhyascha kripasanubhyavicha patitsanam pavanebhyo vaishnavebhyo namo namahan. I offer my respectful obeisances unto the Vaishnava devotees of the Lord. They are just like desire trees and can fulfill the desires of everyone. And they are full of compassion for the fallen conditioned souls. Jai Shri Krishna Chaitanya Prabhupada Shri Dvaita Gadadhar Shri Vasadi Gaurabhakta Vrinda. I offer my respectful obeisances unto Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, Lord Nityananda, Sri Advaita, Gadadhar Pandit, Sri Vastakur, and all the devotees of Lord Chaitanya. Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Hare Hare. So today is Wednesday, May 27, 2020, and we are reading from Srimad Bhagavatam, Canto 1. Creation, Chapter 6, Conversation Between Narada and Vyasadev, Text 22. Sakridya darshitam rupam etat kamayete nagha matkama sanakha hi sadhu sarvan munchati hitchayan. Sakrit, once only, yet that darshitam shown Rupam, form, etat, this is, kamaya, for hankerings, te, your, anagha, o virtuous one, mat, mine, kama, desire, shanakaha, by increasing, sadhu, devotee, sarvan, all, munchati, gives away, Rit Sayan, material desires. Translation and purport by His Divine Grace, A.C. Bhaktivedanta Swami Srila Prabhupada. O virtuous one, you have only once seen my person, and this is just to increase your desire for me. Because the more you hanker for me, the more you will be freed from all material desires. Purport. A living being cannot be vacant of desires. They are not a dead stone. They must be working, thinking, feeling, and willing. But when they think, feel, and will materially, they become entangled. And conversely, when they think, feel, and will for the service of the Lord, they become gradually freed from all entanglement. The more a person is engaged in the transcendental loving service of the Lord, the more they acquire hankering for it. That is the transcendental nature of godly service. Material service has satiation, whereas spiritual service of the Lord has neither satiation nor end. One can go on increasing their hankerings for the loving transcendental service of the Lord, yet they will not find satiation or end. By intense service of the Lord, one can experience the presence of the Lord transcendentally. Therefore, seeing the Lord means being engaged in his service because his service and his person are identical. The sincere devotee should go on with sincere service of the Lord. The Lord will give proper direction as to how and where it has to be done. There is no material desire in Narada, and just to increase his intense desire for the Lord, he was so advised. So today, um, we will discuss material desires, spiritual desires, 
and how to see the Lord. So in this verse, what's happening is um, Narada Muni got to see um, Lord Vishnu just for a moment, and then he was gone. And we read last time how he felt um, overjoyed and ecstatic and, you know, felt sad at the same time because he didn't get to see him again. And so the Lord says, I did this just to increase your desire for me and to decrease your desire for um, material desires. So in the verse he says, the more you will be freed from all material desires. So what are material desires? In the purport of Bhagavad Gita 5.23, Srila Prabhupada breaks down the, them as the forces of material desires. And he says, there's the forces of talk, forces of anger, forces of mind, forces of the stomach, forces of the genitals, and forces of the tongue. So all of our desires fall into one of these categories. And when they're unchecked or unsatiated, it generates anger. In Bhagavad Gita, this is summarized in chapter 2, when Krishna says, while contemplating the objects of the senses, a person develops attachment for them. And from such attachment, lust develops. And from lust, anger arises. From anger, complete delusion arises. And from delusion, bewilderment of memory. When memory is bewildered, intelligence is lost. And intelligence is lost, one falls down again into the material pool. So we have these material desires. They lead to attachment, which causes lust. And we can see this practically, probably I can see it all the time in my life. Um, but we can see this practically in our lives, right? When um, lust, uh, a lot of times we think of this as being a sexual desire, but it's really any intense desire for something. And when we don't get it or we don't, get what we want, we get angry. And that gets gets us into delusion, and then we get bewildered, and then our intelligence is lost. So when we get controlled by our desires, you can see that we have no control of our intelligence. We make the wrong decisions, we act rashly, we don't act in a logical way. Um, And so... It's through this chain of events, right? From our desires to attachment, that strong desire develops, and that leads to anger. And we talked about intelligence last week, where intelligence is using our knowledge and skills in service of Krishna conscious. When it is, when we're unintelligent, we're not using our knowledge and skills for Krishna. We're using it for our material senses, which we also refer to as maya or... Um, illusion, that which is not, which is basically the material world, because the material world, while it's not really, um, like it's not an illusion, it's just it's temporary, so it doesn't last. And when we have desires, they fall into one of six opulences, wealth, strength, fame or influence, beauty, wisdom, and renunciation. So these are the six desires um, and they, you know, these are the things that we're pursuing, right? Most of us are pursuing some sort of wealth, you know, money, houses, cars, diamonds, jewels, um, designer clothes, designer shoes, designer handbags, just all these different types of wealth. 
And then strength, you know, you see, um, there's like the Iron Man competition, strongest man competition, strongest woman competition. You know, there's all these, like you can see people are going to the, are they going to the gym and they um, lift weights and they have all these muscles because they want to be strong. Fame or influence, um, we can see that, you know, a lot of us strive to be famous. Um, if you're a singer or an actor, but even in other ways, right? Like we want to make some sort of um, impact or influence because that makes us feel important, and that's one of the six opulences. Beauty, we spend so much money and time um, on uh, getting ourselves, you know, looking nice, presentable, really pretty or really beautiful. Wisdom, and this falls into studying, getting acquiring knowledge, being able to pass off that knowledge, and then renunciation, which always to me seemed like, oh, that's an opulence to kind of walk away from everything, but that is an opulence. It's like a great trait to have. Some people like to think, oh, well, I can just walk away from it all, and they brag about that. And we are always under the influence of three modes of material nature, goodness, passion, and ignorance. We are conditioned by the necessities of the body, which is sleeping, eating, mating, and defending. And the world, the material world, is filled with three types of miseries. We've talked about these before, adiathmic, adibothic, and adiathavic. Adiathmic is miseries inflicted by the body and the mind itself. Adibothic is those inflicted, inflicted by other living entities. Adidavic, inflicted by natural disturbances. And then we already discussed the material world is temporary. In Bhagavad Gita 2.16, Krishna says, Those who are seers of the truth have concluded that of the non-existent, the material body, there is no endurance, and of the eternal, the soul, there is no change. This they have concluded by studying the nature of both. So in the material world, everything is temporary, whether it's good, bad, happy, or sad. Um, it doesn't last and then we're subject to birth, disease, old age, and death. And that's just through time, right? Because of temporary, we're talking temporary and eternal, that's dealing with time. But these things that birth, death, disease, old age, they're a sign of the temporary nature of the material world. So we live in this temporary material world where we have temporary pleasure, which we spend our life pursuing in one of these ways, right? We want to avoid the threefold miseries. We are trying to make sure that we have the most comfortable arrangements and the best um, things possible for sleeping, eating, mating, and defending. And all of our activities fall into one of these categories. We're under the influence of the three modes of material nature. We have um, six categories of the desires that we pursue and we are controlled by our attachment um, to material pleasure which leads to strong desire or lust and I think this is really interesting because we talk a lot especially in, the, in America right we have um the Declaration of Independence, in which it says, we hold these truths to be self-evident that all people are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. 
So we believe that the pursuit of happiness is our God-given right. And in some ways, that's true. It is our God-given right. And the true pursuit of happiness is service to Krishna. Because as we discussed, the temporary um, nature of the material world doesn't really allow for happiness. It's always um, combined with misery. Um, Part of that misery is temporary. Part of that misery is what we talked about, the threefold miseries of the material world caused by other people, caused by nature, caused by our own body and mind. Um, And then liberty. Um, It's a freedom is an illusion because we're restricted by all these things. The temporary nature, the three kinds of miseries, and ruled by the three modes of nature. And life we have no guarantee of life because death is a part of life. We don't know when we're going to die. Um, we don't know how long we're going to live. So these things are unknown. And um, as far as, you know, do we have rights to these things? Of course, we do. We have a right to live. But to truly live and to truly be free and to truly pursue happiness, we have to serve Krishna. We have to engage our service to Krishna. Srila Prabhupada says in many different places, this material world is no place for a sane gentleman or woman. And we can see that. Like, if you look at it this way, we find that we're um, always miserable or there's always misery in our happiness. It's temporary. It's ruled by so many different things that are beyond our control who would want to live like this? You know, we want to get out of the material world. In Bhagavad Gita 2.44, Krishna says, in the minds of those who are too attached to sense enjoyment and material opulence and who are bewildered by such things, the resolute determination for devotional service to the Supreme Lord does not take place. So the other thing that happens when we get too attached to our senses is that there's no room to... uh, have devotional service to make that to start that path for devotional service so the opposite is also true when we start on this resolute determination for devotional service we start to lose the attachment and we get less bewildered by our material opulence and sense enjoyment so we to decrease one we have to increase the other and the best way to tip the scales is to increase your devotional service. That's the best bet you can make. In chapter 5 of Bhagavad Gita, Krishna says, Before giving up this present body, if one is able to tolerate the urges of the material senses and check the force of desire and anger, they are well situated and happy in this world. So the question is, how do we keep our desires and urges in check? And Prabhupada says in the purport, we replace them with spiritual desires. In chapter 2, Krishna says, When one gives up all varieties of desire for sense gratification, which arise from mental concoction, and when one's mind, thus purified, finds satisfaction in the self alone, then they are said to be in pure transcendental consciousness. Though the embodied soul may be restricted from sense enjoyment, the taste for sense objects remains. But ceasing such engagements by experiencing a higher taste, one is fixed in consciousness. So we have, we are, 
as pure spirit, spirit souls and servants of Krishna, we have a natural tendency for desires to seek pleasure because that is our eternal nature. So in order to not be overwhelmed by material desires, we want to increase our spiritual desires. We want to experience a higher taste. Replace our mundane worldly pleasures, which are temporary and intermixed with pain and distress, with eternal blissful pleasures that are pure pleasure and bliss. There's no um, intermingling there of, of distress. And once we taste eternal pleasure, we lose interest in the temporary pleasures. In today's verse, Lord Vishnu says to the movie, just to increase your desire for me, because the more you hanker for me. Those are the words he uses. He wants Narada Muni to increase his desire and to hanker for him more and more. And it's impossible to have no desires. So we want to have our uh, desire be for God, for Krishna. So when, um, in Bhagavad Gita 6.18, it says, When the yogi, by practice of yoga, disciplines their mental activities and become, becomes situated in transcendence, devoid of all material desires, they are said to be well established in yoga. And Prabhupada says in the purport, A perfect yogi is so well disciplined in the act, activities of the mind that they can no longer be disturbed by any kind of material desire. This perfectional stage can automatically be attained by persons in Krishna consciousness. And in chapter 18, you know, it's a concluding chapter, Krishna says when we become transcendentally situated, we automatically become joyful. We don't have any desires. We're not hankering after anything. We're not lamenting after anything. Um, And we're equal to all living entities. And that is how we attain pure devotional service. So we become joyful. That's that's important. It's not that we're giving up all these material desires and we're becoming miserable people and, um, you know, feeling deprived. It's that we're replacing these temporary um, desires, temporary pleasures with permanent ones, eternal ones. So once we've had this higher taste and we're losing our material desires, we can see that we want to act neither for sense gratification nor engage in fruitive activities. We neither rejoice nor grieve. We're not disturbed by happiness or distress. We neither lament or hanker. It's funny, um, Ritat Vajraswami often quotes, you know, did you hanker today or lament today or both? Because we're always hankering or lamenting after something. Renounce both auspicious and inauspicious things because the idea is that whether it's auspicious or inauspicious, if it can be used for Krishna's service, that's the most important thing. Free from all anxieties for gain and safety. Not disturbed in the mind, even amidst the threefold miseries or elated when there's happiness. Again, this idea of being steady, equanimical, um, doesn't matter what's happening, whether it's good or bad, it's all the same. Because it's all material, it's temporary. Unaffected by whatever good or evil one may obtain, 
neither praising it nor despising it. And people that are engaged in pure devotional service that are serving Krishna are transcendental to the three modes of material nature. They're established in their self. They're steady, unbewildered in the face of change, resolute in the purpose of their path, withdraw the senses from sense objects, and intelligent and peaceful. So we can see that um, these are great qualities. They sound very nice. We This is kind of what we want to achieve is, you know, are we... Um, peaceful? Are we equanimical? Are we steady? Or do things just throw off all off balance at the, you know, the drop of a pin where we're just like, oh my God, what's happening? How is this happening? And we get all flustered and worried and full of anxiety. Um, so really when we have pure devotional service, we have this trust and faith in Krishna, we're kind of equal to all this, because we know that there's a whole next level to this. There's, you know, it's just like, it doesn't matter in the long run, right? We we want to take care of our bodies, we want to take care of our life, but we don't want to sacrifice the eternal for the temporary. We want to make sure that we're giving as much importance or more importance to what's eternal than um, we do to what's temporary, in, in Bhagavad Gita chapter 2, Krishna says, A person free from all attachment and aversion or able to control their senses through regulative principles of freedom can obtain the complete mercy of the Lord. So these principles that we follow are to help control our senses so that we can truly be free, so that we can truly have life and freedom and liberty and um, happiness. For one thus satisfied, the threefold miseries of material existence exist no longer, and one's intelligence is soon well established. A person is not disturbed by the incessant flow of desires that enter like rivers into the ocean, which is ever being filled but is always still, and can alone achieve peace and not the person who strives to satisfy such desires. So you can see that we, um, when we aren't controlled by our desires, we aren't controlled by what's happening. We aren't. We aren't at the mercy of the whims of material nature. We're more calm. We're steady. We're in control. Um, feels like a great place to be. And. In order to detangle ourselves from material miseries, we have to entangle ourselves in spiritual bliss. Like we said before, the material world is temporary. It's full of misery. The spiritual world is eternal and full of bliss. So in order to achieve this, Lord Vishnu allows Narada Muni just to see him just once. In the verse, he says, you have only once seen my person. And to see God is a um, rare thing, right? It's a beautiful thing. It's a rare thing. Not everybody has the desire to see God. But when we have the desire to see God, we have to make sure that we're qualified to see God. We all have the capacity to see God, to see Krishna. We have to understand what can we do to, to achieve this. Krishna says in the Bhagavad Gita, I am the goal, 
right? He's the goal of all the Vedas. He's the goal of life. To engage in pure devotional service is our pure, um, true uh, goal of life. And we can reach him with faith and determination. So we have to be strong in this path. We have to, you know, we talked about replacing our material desires with spiritual desires. So um, in goal setting in my personal and business development courses, we talk about three things that need to be successful. You have to have the goal, right? You keep that goal in mind. You focus in on how achieving that goal will make you feel, the emotions, the experience, you know, the kind of the soft science behind setting a goal, the things that are kind of more abstract. Um, like I said, how does it make you feel? So we want to have positive experiences. Our goal in this case is Krishna. So we want to remind ourselves of, you know, this is our goal. This is what we're trying to achieve when things get tough, when things become challenging, even when things are happy and, you know, all rainbows and unicorns, we still want to remember that Krishna is the goal. And we create positive experiences, eternal bliss, peace, steadiness, become self-realized. So the third thing that we need are action steps. So we have what we're trying to achieve, why we're trying to achieve it. Now we need the how. How do we achieve Krishna? How do we achieve pure devotional service? And it always comes back to the nine processes of devotional service. Hearing about Krishna, chanting or speaking about Krishna's transcendental name, form, qualities, pastimes, paraphernalia, and so on. Remembering Krishna, serving Krishna, offering Krishna respectful worship in his deity form, offering prayers to Krishna, becoming Krishna's direct servant, considering Krishna's one best, one's best friend, Surrendering everything to Krishna by serving him with body, mind, and words. So when we engage our mind, our material senses, our intelligence um, to become more deliberate in our spiritual intelligence, Krishna consciousness, then we're able to conquer this insatiable enemy known as lust Remember, Krishna says to Arjuna, it's lust only that keeps us entangled in the material world. Everything can come down to lust. And again, like I said, it's not necessarily sexual desire. It's just intense desire. It's a strong desire that, like, controls everything, right? Whether it's for um, sexual pleasure or any of the six opulences that we talked about, um, just whatever that intense desire is. So the best way to remember Krishna And to serve him, he gives us the instructions in this in chapter 9. He says, whatever you do, whatever you eat, whatever you offer or give away, whatever austerities you perform, do that as an offering to me. So Krishna is saying, whatever you're already doing, continue doing that. Just do it for me. Do it as a service instead of doing it for yourself or for some selfish reason or for some material gain. Do it for me. Um, as I say often, or I'm quoting often, be who you are, but be that for Krishna. We all have our true nature, dharma, permanent. Srila Prabhupada states, dharma means that every living entity is eternally the servant of Krishna. So that's our true nature. Um, just like sugar is sweet, that's the nature of sugar. Our nature is that we're eternal servants of Krishna. 
course, part of that is also that we are eternally full of knowledge and um, bliss, full of bliss. So we can't give up being servants. You know, we're servants of Krishna, but we have this service attitude. We also have this idea of, um, you know, that we're also um, full of bliss, so we always are pursuing um, pleasure. And so either we serve Krishna or we serve Maya, the material world. Whatever the case is, we're always going to be serving. We have our own desires, skills, and talents. Um, things that we like to do. And we can engage all of that in service to Krishna. Like, for instance, if you are an artist, you can paint, you know, um, pastimes of Krishna or different devotional um, images that can remind you of Krishna if you paint that. You know, if you are a writer, then you write about Krishna. If you're um, a musician, then you can, you know, uh, play music for Krishna, glorify him those ways. So whatever it is, you know, if you're not, I guess all those things were kind of more um, creative art. But so if you're a science, right, a science person, a scientist, then you can use that to see, to study Krishna's nature and to... Um, further understand that Krishna is in control of everything and, you know, he's doing that. For instance, I'm, I'm a doctor, so, you know, I often think that, well, not often, but my service is to help people live healthy and so that they can better serve Krishna. And for me too, like I focus in on my own health to make sure that I'm in good health and strong and capable that I can continue to serve Krishna. Because what good is it if any of us are sick? Then, you know, it's hard to, to keep service in mind. Krishna says in uh, chapter 3, Everyone is forced to act helplessly according to the qualities they have acquired from the modes of material nature. Therefore, no one can refrain from doing something, not even for a moment. So we always have to do something. You know, we're, we always have this tendency. It's hard to, like, sit there and do nothing why so many people have a hard time meditating because it's like it feels like you're sitting there doing nothing so if we um focus in on you know we're doing things for krishna then it starts to help um us to realize that you know there are things that are bigger than us there there are things that are more important than us A person of knowledge acts according to their own nature, for everyone follows the nature one has acquired from the three modes. So we have to act. We have our own nature, and we have to do something. And even if we feel like, you know, it's hard to think of Krishna, we can't come to the temple, we can't see the deity form of God, which, you know, again, if we think, oh, you know, only special people can see God, which is true... But he made himself so available to us at every temple that, you know, we just have to come and take uh, darshan of him, right? Come and be in his presence. And, um, you know, we can see his beautiful smiling face and realize that Krishna is everywhere. So he even says in chapter 7 that it's not just at the temple. I'm everywhere. You can realize that I'm the source of everything. He says, I'm the ability in humans. I'm the intelligence of the intelligent. The prowess of powerful people, the strength of the strong, devoted passion and desire, the life of all that lives, 
the penances of all ascetics. So all these qualities that we admire in ourselves or in other people, all these talents and skills, those are all from Krishna. He is the source of all of that. So if we're, you know, a little proud or a little egotistical about some of our skills and talents, you know, if we start to think, well, I didn't really do anything to achieve that. Krishna gave it to me. So then we have to realize that we can use that for, you know, in order to show gratitude, we want to use that in Krishna's service. We can also remember him throughout the day. He's the taste of water, the light of the sun and the moon, the heat and fire, the syllable om in Vedic mantras, the sound and ether, the original fragrance of the earth, the original seed of all existences, and sex life, which is not contrary to religious principles. So he gives us all these different ways in which we can remember him all throughout the day, all throughout our activities. And he just says, you know, just remember me. Add me to whatever you're doing during the day. So it's kind of laid out for us, right? In order to see Krishna, we want to decrease our material desires, increase our spiritual desires, and we do that by engaging in devotional service and thinking and remembering Krishna every day. So, that's all I have for today. I hope I said something that um, uh, engages you in Krishna's service and that you know, maybe you can take some small uh, message away from today's class. All right. Uh, Dharantara Srimad Bhagavatam Ki Jai.